Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast, this time reviewing Mid-South Wrestling Television from June 25th, 1983, taped on June 22nd, 1983 at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I am the great Brian Last, and joining me as he does each and every week, a menace to society. You know him from booking the territory, the longest introduction he's ever received here, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing good, Brian. I'm ready to jump into another episode of Mid-South. This is very much a packed episode, in my opinion. I'm not saying like, you know, over-the-top stuff happening, but I feel like we have a, a lot to discuss. There's that opening segment, which I will we'll talk about that. I've got some notes there I can't wait to discuss, but I'm doing well. Hopefully you're doing well. And um, yeah, let's get into this thing, man. This is a, this is going to be a fun little episode here. There is a lot of stuff going on on this episode. A lot of different things. A lot of conversation points. Some surprises uh, in terms of people who were there that haven't been there in quite a while. But we'll get into all of that. Why don't we kick it off right here with the open of the show? Cowboy Bill Watts and Boyd Pierce. As usual, we have a lot of exciting action coming up. It'll be headlined by a North American Heavyweight Championship match as the Junkyard Dog defends his title against the challenge of Bob Roop. The cinema idol and a man of a thousand holes from Mexico, Mil Moscas, is here, along with international star Super Destroyer. Also, Mr. Wrestling 2, the new national champion in the ring against Arn Anderson, and controversy is swirling around the Mid-South Tag Team Champions. And a man to tell you about it, our guest commentator of the week, Bill Watts. Bill? Well, thank you, Boyd. A lot of excitement, as you said. And, of course, the Mid-South Tag Titles are very controversial right now because Ted DiBiase, due to his broken, in quotes, hand, has signed a power of attorney where Zerkov, Boris Zerkov, representing in all Mid-South Tag Title matches. And we were scheduled to have Johnny Rich, and Hacksaw Dugan go for the title matches here today on television. We're going to have two championship matches for the people at home. But DiBiase says he doesn't trust Zerkov to handle the Mid-South tag titles because Rich and Dugan beat him here two weeks ago. But he said also his doctor has not released him. Therefore, he will not let them represent him, and he won't wrestle either. But Zerkov and Olympia are very upset, and they said they've re-challenged Johnny Rich and Hacksaw Dugan here today for a rematch from two weeks ago. We'll have that. First of all, though, from an undisclosed location, from Dallas, Texas, in the Dallas area, Bill Mercer and the people at the television station in Dallas did an interview with General Skandar Akbar at his exclusive estate. However, we don't know the location of it. Let's listen to Akbar's words in his interview and come on. Well, we will get to that interview in a moment from an undisclosed location, Dallas, Texas. Cowboy just disclosed the location of the undisclosed location, but. A few things of note here at the top of the show, Mike. Of course, Mr. Wrestling 2, the new national champion, a title recognized on Georgia Championship Wrestling Television, broadcast via cable to various parts of the country, including various towns in the Mid-South Territory. He's on TV this week defending that title against Arn Anderson. And we'll talk more about Arn Anderson, who we last saw about three months ago as Marty Lundy in a little bit. The big news here at the top, though, is the situation with Ted DiBiase. Yeah, and I have a note later, but I guess I'll bring it up now. <laughs> I wanted to talk about it later. But anyway, Watch mentions DiBiase having this injured wrist, and DiBiase's doctor will not allow him to wrestle, but we're getting a rematch of that match we reviewed recently. So the thing about DiBiase's wrist, uh, Brian, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. I can't remember if you were, ta- you were tagged with me with it. So evidently, when 
DiBiase first mentioned his doctor, Dr. Bo Strange. You remember that, Brian? How could I ever forget Dr. Strange? Yes. What if I told you that Dr. Bo Strange was a real physician and a real doctor? Would you believe me? I do believe you because I didn't think they made that up. What a name to make up. I figured it had to be a real person. Bo Strange, it had to be a real person. Okay, so evidently, uh, this will teach me a lesson, but I, in my, you know, just stupidity, I guess, just was like, oh, DiBiase's making that up because he's a heel. Why wouldn't he make it up? Well, there was a Dr. Bo Strange in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and he was a real doctor. Uh, he is deceased now, I believe, but I had numerous people reach out to me on Twitter to tell me and correct me that Dr. Bo Strange is really a doctor. So when DiBiase right here is saying that his doctor will not allow him to wrestle, there may be a sliver of truth in that. Do with that information what you will. But there may be a sliver of truth that Dr. Bo Strange really told DiBiase, now nah, you can't wrestle. Or DiBiase just knew there was a Dr. Bo Strange and he just made the story up. But anyway, had to point that out. However, very interesting take here, though, the fact that, you know, of everything going on with this whole rematch that's going to happen and DiBiase's wrists and all this good stuff. So we do get a lot of information here at the top of the show, but we'll see more of that as we get into this week's episode. Well, let's get to that interview right now that we were promised a second ago. It is from World Class Championship Wrestling, Bill Mercer, the voice of World Class, interviewing General Skandar Akbar and crew. We will talk about who's with him and what's going on here on the other side. Let's go to this. It takes a little doing to find some of the wrestlers of the world like Kimala, but we persevered, and here's what we found. We're here on the beautiful estate of Mr. Akbar, the man. You've met him before, and I thank you, sir, for having us out here. I wonder why we're meeting in this uh, forest rather than up on the hill at your beautiful mansion. Well, first of all, Mercer Kamala must be kept in his natural surroundings. Otherwise, he will suffer from culture shock. This is the reason you're meeting me here, Mercer. So this is his normal environment, then? Exactly. Now, who are these men with you? I know Mr. Kumar to your left. Would you introduce the others? Meet the Mongol, 300 pounds plus internationally known wrestler. And by the way, the problems in this area have become more so. This explains the presence of the Mongol and the general stable at this time. And the man over here with the helmet on? Meet Friday, the caretaker of Kamala. He is with Kamala constantly. He is with him at all times. He is more or less, as I've said before, his caretaker. All right, now speaking of Kamala, uh, could you bring him in so we could meet him? Well, of course, but I must have assurance from the cameraman that there will be no sudden flash bulbs, no disturbances of any kind, because this man could become uncontrollable, dynamite, as you Americans say at times. Well, I'm sure that our cameraman, the reporters, uh, will not uh, bother us here. Tell me about the situation now with your bringing in Kamala. Well, of course, it's a twofold situation. First of all, as you know, Kabuki has been injured by Hussein and that dog Yatsu. And of course, Kamala will take care of that situation. The other is the Von Erich family, the Snotty-Nosed Young Punks called the Von Erichs, who have been in this area much too long. And in due time, we shall get to that situation, I assure you. Now, this man, the Mongol, as I've said before, he is Devastation himself and a welcome member to Devastation Incorporated. And now Kamala is on his way, six foot nine, 385 pounds. And as I've said before, he is un uncontrollable at moments, uh, Mercer. Well, he is an awesome sight. I, I still, I would like to hear him speak in his native tongue, though. Did you, did you say something for him? Oh, oh, oh. Hey! 
it. Look out. Hey. Well, we can expect to see Skandar Akbar pull out all stops to get revenge on Hacksaw Dugan. Another man that's very upset, Hacksaw Butch Reed, who is tremendously upset over the fact that Mid-South gave Bob Roop a title match here today with the Junkyard Dog when he thought he was in line. We'll see Hacksaw Reed in action right after these words. Well, there it is, a promo from World Class. Bill Mercer interviewing General Skandar Akbar. Friday, Mr. Kumar, the Mongol, and eventually Kamala. Some of you may remember the Mongol. He later became, I believe, Hillbilly Cousin Luke in the WWE, or WWF at the time. And my question is, why are they playing this interview here in Mid-South? Kamala's been gone for a while. What do you think the point was? You know, I, I don't... I struggle to figure that out. Um, this feel like it would have been better placed early on when Kamala first came in. Would you agree with that, Brian? Like, maybe we, we if we'd have seen it then, that would have made more sense? We Yeah, I mean, it would have made more sense then. Obviously, this was taped after that fact because it's in world class, and this is kind of what world class was doing at that time, which is why, one of the reasons why, that program is so great, just these little vignettes of guys out of the ring where it isn't goofy, it isn't just bad comedy like they do nowadays in wrestling. It was Jimmy Garvin at home. It was David Von Erich on his ranch. It was the Freebirds playing pool. And, of course, Kamala, somewhere on the estate of General Skandar Akbar, far away from the house on the hill, apparently. Let me ask you a question. I know where this is. Obviously, it's in, it is in Dallas. Do you know where in Dallas this is? Have you heard the story? I have not heard the story. What's the story? Okay, so um, as you heard, Mercer claims they are on the beautiful estate of Skandar Akbar. But it does look like a bit of a jungle. I mean, kind of weeds. It's a branchy area, I guess you can call it. So anyway, I, I was talking to Lance Peterson, my co-host I do the, that I do a world-class show with. And when Lance and I, we reviewed this episode of World Class, I don't remember how long ago it was, but it's been a while, probably over a year. So I asked Lance because he knows a ton about world-class history. I said, man, do you know where they actually shot this? I know it's in Dallas. Um, they're not going to drive any far away. All the vignettes they shot were pretty much in Dallas, unless they were at the Von Erich home and whatnot. Anyway, so this is shot on the banks of the Trinity River in Dallas, which is where they're at right here in this location is actually not very far from the actual sportatorium. So this is exactly where this is shot. And this is, I mean, this is how it looked at the time. It probably, whenever there's the water is low on the Trinity, it probably still looks very similar to this. Uh, unless they've cleared all the brush from the area, but that's where that is. It is in Dallas, but it is on the banks of the Trinity River where they shot this vignette with Kamala, the Mongol, Akbar, Mercer. And you're right, World Class was known for these things, and it, it really made the show a lot of fun and interesting back then. It's nice to see with the Mongol that apparently in Mongolia they have blue jeans. <laughs> that's another story for another time. Bill Watts promised before we went to the break there, we're going to come out of it with Hacksaw Butch Reed. It's Butch Reed versus Joe Stark with Joel Armstrong as the referee. Of course, that's the future Joel Watts. Before the match gets going, Butch Reed interrupts Reese Bowden. He has a lot on his mind. Let's go to this, further establishing Butch Reed as one of the top heels in the territory. This event is for one fall with a 10-minute time limit. In the blue corner at 231 pounds from Jonesboro, Arkansas, Joe Stark. And in the red corner at 252 pounds. You know something? It just ain't no justice. 
Stark against Hacksaw Butch Reed as Joel Armstrong calls for the bell and Hacksaw Butch Reed bill continues his outrageous tirade and the obsession for a chance at the oh, North American title. Did you see panel. him power lift him over that hip lock, boy? You know, if Freezer Biden says he's 252 pounds, he's 250 pounds in his right arm. Well, there we hear it. A few words from Butch Reed. A good promo to start this match with Reeser Bowden standing there. The crowd, exactly how you want it. They get fired up. They don't like Butch Reed. That one old lady in the front row is yelling at him a few times during this promo. What do you think of this? I mean, it goes to show you that when he turned on the dog, I guess, in this small, intimate setting that Irish McNeil, that it, quote-unquote, worked. Because the minute he grabs the mic and starts bad-mouthing a dog and calling him a dirty, greasy dog, the people, they're not having it. They are angry. They react immediately. They are just totally just angry with they're just like come on man you turned on the dog for no reason i mean that's in that's how the way they see it so they're angry they're mad and they immediately react to him in that way they are not happy with reed and you know i mean give reed some credit he cut a nice little short promo there because he continues and he tells the people i love this line when he's like you're following a false hope butch reed is the real deal <laughs> so it's like simple to the point he didn't drown on for a long time or go on for a long time. I thought this was good. I love what he says here. Bill Watts is going to say something on commentary in a minute that I actually agree with, too, related to Reed uh, and, and some of the thoughts that Reed had. But this was good, man. And it goes to show you that the people, they, they're angry. They're mad. They can't believe he just, I don't know where, turned on the dog. We've completely forgotten everything else that Reed would have happened with Reed. He's now turned on the dog. and. He is enemy number one or two, depending on how you see DiBiase. Well, let's go to some comments from Bill Watts where he talks about Butch Reed wanting the North American title as well as the return of Joe Stark, who we haven't seen in a few weeks. We find out why. Joe Stark kind of looks like Chief J. Strongbow when he was an older man, a younger version of that. Now, I know Chief J. Strongbow wrestled as a younger man, as Joe Scarpa. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the old Chief J. Strongbow, a younger version of the old Chief J. Strongbow. That's what Joe Stark looks like here, but let's go to this commentary from the Cowboy right now. When you have that North American title, boy, you and I have seen it happen time and time again. You're a target. Everybody's after you because you're the top of the heap. You're king of the hill. 
And every hungry man out there wants to knock you off that heel and take what's yours. And Joe Stark, his first appearance since getting his nose broken some months ago here on Mid-South Television, he got it completely shattered. Making his first appearance back. Uh, he's against a man that's wired for sound. The man that's upset. He said he challenged a dog right here on TV, on national TV. And he thought he would be in line for this, this match, and they've given it to Bob Roop. But Bob Roop is a former champion. He's got the credentials. The dog's got plenty tough to handle in Bob Roop. Joe Stark firing a wave. And Hacksaw Butch Reed is in that gym every day. He hits those abdominal boards, does those push-ups, leg raises. He's in shape. He's hungry. You see him power over Joe Stark. Dropping a leg on him. Tops him, Joel Armstrong making the count. I think Reed is kind of playing cat and mouse right now. Just showing off. Well, they were hearing a little bit about Butch Reed wanting the North American title and Joe Stark returning from his broken nose. When did he break his nose? I don't remember. I didn't remember it either. I don't, I, did it ha- I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea on that one. I, I got to say something though about Cowboy's comments right here. You know, I think Reed kind of has a point or Watts is making a good point for Reed. I don't know if he realized it. The thing is, Roop is about to get a title shot at Dog. We haven't seen Roop, God, in months. I don't even remember the last time I saw Roop. Last time I complained about him when he was droning on and just boring me to death on commentary. I but, don't think we've seen him since 1982. I could be wrong. But, I mean, we're, we're at the end of June 83. I think it's been a minimum six or seven months. It feels like a long time ago. And he just, and I get it. He's a former North American champion. Okay, no problem. But out of nowhere, to reinforce what Reed's saying here, out of nowhere, he he gets a title shot? I mean, that, to me, would make Reed upset. And rightfully so, he should be upset. I mean, he's he, he seems like a, a, a top contender. I guess you could make the argument, well, he lost to Bundy. So, no, he doesn't deserve it. But, well, if that's the case, why can Roop just walk into a promotion he hasn't been in? Which, Roop did the job to... God, who did Roop... Was it dog? Like when he left, remember that match, Brian, where Roop just got mauled by the dog before he left? It was like two minutes. I think it was the dog. Yeah. So what makes him all of a sudden just, if the last thing we saw of Roop is just getting mauled by the dog in under two minutes, then why can he just walk into the promotion and get a title shot? So, I mean, look, Reed's a heel here, but he's got a good point. How does Bob Roop just get allowed to get a shot? All right, I'm gonna make people mad. Why does why does Bob Roop get a title opportunity? <laughs> why does Roop get to get a match for the strap? It makes no that 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 no. I'm not. I'm with Reed here, man. I stand with Reed on this one. Reed is getting shafted right here. What do you think, Brian? I think you hate Bob Roop like he stole your territory. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine you have Bob Roop on booking the territory and then he takes the territory? Um, <laughs> I mean, look, that's one of the things about Mid-South Wrestling that we've talked about, that the heels are bad guys, the heels cheat, but very often the reasoning for why they're upset is sound. Yes. Very often they have legitimate reasons for being upset. Yeah, he's he's got, let me let me say, because we talk about how DiBiase likes to play the, the chicken heel and he he just like, he makes these excuses and that makes him a great heel. 
But you're right in, in this respect, and you said it really well there. Look, Reed's a heel here, and he did some some dastardly stuff to Dog by calling him out and then just beating him down, and he's jealous. But the jealousy made sense, in my opinion, even though he, he is a heel. And right here, he, he's even though he's a heel, he is making a point here. You know, there's some sound logic in why he would question why all of a sudden Roop can just run in and get a title. So uh, overall, though, the match... I thought Reed just, I mean, he beat down Joe Stark. Joe Stark didn't get any offense in, which he shouldn't. And the overhead press slam at the end was really good. He held him up there for a while. But all that to say, Reed picks up a, a win here, which he should. And as a heel, he's got a sound argument as to why he is being taken out of the title pitcher right now. Why does Roop get one before him? It makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Butch Reed wins with the press slam. And then we go back to the desk and they shoot us to a recap of. The match from, I think, two weeks ago, Mr. Olympia and Boris Zerkov against Johnny Rich and Hacksaw Duggan. This is the one where Johnny Rich sacrifices himself, throws him in front of the Mr. Olympia loaded boot drop kick, or not loaded boot, but there's the loaded object on his boot when he does the drop kick. Eventually, Duggan and Rich win the match. Let's come out of that. Let's hear what Bill Watts says to wrap up that segment. Well, as I said earlier, Ted DiBiase claims his so-called broken hand has not yet been released by the doctor. So again, we don't have the title match because DiBiase says no longer can Zerkov represent him in title bouts. But Zerkov and Olympia have challenged Dugan and Rich for a rematch. They said they weren't set for this team two weeks ago. And you hear the crowd roaring, let's go to Reese Bod because that match is ready to go in the ring. A non-title bout. And that's where we go to next, a non-title bout. Mr. Olympia and Boris Zerkov defending the Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team titles against Johnny Rich and Hacksaw Duggan, a rematch from two weeks ago. Alfred Neely as the referee. We're going to have some audio here in a moment, but any thoughts or notes about this match, Mike? I, I, I'm really looking forward to the audio that you're going to play because, and I want, as we're thinking about this, I want everyone out there to listen to Watts and him questioning the validity of DiBiase's wrist injury. It makes a lot of sense. A second ago, we talked about logic, right, Brian? And, and how things, you know, one thing about Mid-South is we always feel, no matter what, there's a lot of logic in the booking. There's a lot of logic in the storytelling. It all kind of adds up. One plus one usually equals two. Two plus two usually equals four. Listen to Watts questioning the, 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 the <laughs> validity of DiBiase's wrist injury here i think uh i i really like what what watts talks about here so i think that's a key point that we all need to listen to in a second let's go to that audio right now johnny rich and i'm sure that this big team wants to keep johnny rich in there they don't want dugan in there dugan's an enraged man dibiase they're claiming is not really even hurt dibiase has shown grizzly smith a set of x-rays uh, we don't know for sure. No way of proving that they're of his hand or of somebody else's. He claims these are the x-rays of his doctor, and he's not quite healed. Of course, as we saw with the Junkyard Dogs case, he did a lot of damage with that cast from behind on the dog when Butch Reed was slapping the dog around. And the dog was going for the throat. Well, there we hear it, just like you said, Mike. Bill Watts questioning whether the x-rays that Ted DiBiase turned over to Grizzly Smith are actually even his own x-rays. Yeah, and, and it's a big point. It's a great point. You know, he, he questions it. He mentions DiBiase might not be, be really hurt. 
He claims, you know, DiBiase's doctor did submit the x-rays. Okay, that's fair. You know, we, we want to see the x-rays, right? But then, you know, Watts is like, how do we really know that's his x-ray? I, I, it's a logical question. I, I, I mean, I would question that. You know, I mean, anyone can say, here is a picture of X, Y, and Z. But if there's no reference to if it's really his x-ray and are we really hearing from his physician saying, no, Mr. Watts, I am Dr. Bowstrange. This is Ted DiBiase's x-ray. I, I personally took the x-ray or one of my, uh, you know, x-ray technicians did. How do we know? So, I mean, again, Watts is making logical sense here. How do we know this is DiBiase's real x-ray? Do we know this is really his wrist? We know it's an x-ray, but we, but is it DiBiase? So, I like what I heard there, and it makes me wonder even more. One note here, if you notice, is a section of the crowd where a bunch of the fans are wearing the same hat, it appears. Did you notice that? I did, and it's um, it's hard to tell. Is Did you confirm that those were all the same hats, those those old trucker hats, like you could see it? Because I, 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 that's what I had trouble seeing when I viewed it. I don't know for sure because there isn't like a perfectly clear shot of it, but, you know, we've never seen that many fans in a congested area wearing a hat that looks so similar it appears they're all wearing the same hat like they're part of a club or a group together yeah i wouldn't doubt that they're you know not a part of a group i i certainly think that you're onto something there i did notice it though on the hard camera side it's a mix of folks that are like a couple of rows actually it may have been three rows of folks uh that had i i call them those old school trucker hats you know the foam brim or the foam crest and uh you know the brim of the hat they de definitely look like a group that came there together so once again, to remind everyone, Ted DiBiase a few weeks ago shows up, says he has a hand injury, says he went to Dr. Bo Strange. Boris Zukov, or Zerkov here in Mid-South Wrestling, will be replacing him, I guess via proxy, as one of the members of the Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions. Earlier in this match, Bill Watts talks about the fact that the X-rays are questionable, or at least he's questioning whether they are actually Ted DiBiase's. Let's now go back to this match. And here are the closing minutes. This is all going to relate to something that happens here during the match. I haven't forgotten the tactics that made him such a rebel. And he tripped. Oh, Johnny Rich has got him pinned. Johnny Rich has got him pinned. But Neely is with the referee. And Zerkov is in there. All four men in the ring, boy. It's just into a Donnybrook. Oh, Albert Neely got clobbered. And Johnny Rich out on the floor. But Axel Dugan. He's pounding Boris Zerkov. He's caught Mr. Olympia. Here comes Ted DiBiase with that cast. He lowered the boom on Johnny Rich with that cast. He's going for Dugan. But Dugan's caught him. The big team. Oh, look at the cast. Big Dugan is cramming that cast in. Dugan's ripped it. Look at the glove. DiBiase has the glove. And DiBiase's hand's not hurt. He's got the glove. And now Akbar's kicking Dugan. DiBiase loading the glove. Deliberately, DiBiase is punishing Dugan. He's, he's pounding Dugan. He's pounding Dugan. Tim Horner came. Tim Horner came trying to help DiBiase. Just decked him. He just decked Art Cruz. Dugan just powered up. Hacksaw Dugan just powered out and went for DiBiase and Akbar, but couldn't catch him. They got on their skates and got out of there, but Hacksaw Dugan, he's tearing everything down. DiBiase, there's a spear. 
Johnny Dugan throws Johnny Retro over the top of the man. Albert Neely's back in the ring. Neely's made the count. Dugan. <laughs> Dugan still looking for DiBiase and Akbar, but he didn't get to him. Jim Dugan, I don't know how he did it, boy. Bill and enraged and outraged. And saw Jim Dugan and Johnny Rich. Action galore all over the store, and he's still pummeling there on Boris Zerkoff across the way while outside the ring has taken his and Mr. Olympia. We'll be back with more action after this word. Well, there it is. The winners, Johnny Rich and Hacksaw Duggan after Rich pins Zerkov. A lot, though, going down there in the closing minutes. I have to say, Tim Horner and Art Cruz, ridiculous bumps from Ted DiBiase, punching him with the glove. The first time, Tim Horner, coming through the ropes, doesn't even sell it. Second time, he goes flying. Mike, what are your thoughts about this angle? This was a fun little finish here, man, at the end. You got, so, I don't know if we we caught it in the audio at the very beginning, but Johnny Rich, he's got Olympia pinned, and he's got him cradled and rolled up, but Alfred Neely's dealing with Duggan and Zerkoff in the corner, so he doesn't see it. Then all four guys are in the ring, and then that's when Alfred Neely gets, you know, he takes one of his famous Alfred Neely bumps. He goes flying to the outside when Olympia pushes Rich into Alfred Neely, and ends when DiBiase comes out. He knocks out Johnny Rich, hits him in the back of the head. Duggan then stops DiBiase, and then he, the the visual of this is awesome. Like, if you got the network, you got to go watch this. Duggan turns around, catches DiBiase, who's about to, you know, get him in the back. And takes DiBiase's wrist and slams it up against like the turnbuckle. And the visual of DiBiase's cast exploding and pieces flying everywhere is tremendous. So it basically confirms wait, hold on, that's not real for sure. Now, and then we get a double confirmation because then DiBiase's like, all right, well, now that that thing's off, uh, my guys have gotten dug and subdued. I'm just going to go ahead and load the black glove that I had under this, you know, fake hurt wrist. And he starts teeing off on Duggan, just teeing off on him as Zerkov and Olympia hold Duggan. And he's punching and punching him, going to town. And then that's when Tim Horner come out, Art Cruz come out, and, you know, they sell from the loaded glove. But just a tremendous segment. Duggan eventually, I don't know how, he fights out because he's a great baby face. He fights out of Olympia and Zerkov's hold. And before you know it, we got a wild brawl. We got all four guys in a ring. But the big point, uh, I mean, uh, Duggan's not all four guys in a ring. Duggan ends up clearing the ring. But the big point here is, man, we basically have confirmation. DiBiase has been full of it all along. His, his wrist is not hurt. The cast literally exploded when DiBiase, when it was hit up against the turnbuckle. And, hey, we got confirmation. He's not hurt anymore. One other thing, I forgot to say it. Did you see Olympia's bump on the floor? Like when at the very end, when Duggan sends Olympia into orbit, he goes flying over the top rope. I, yeah. It was tremendous. Great stuff there. Coming out of that, we get a recap. King Kong Bundy versus Mr. Wrestling 2 from a couple weeks back, or even longer than that, maybe three weeks back. This is where King Kong Bundy pile drives Mr. Wrestling 2 on the floor. We come out of this recap. We get ready to go to another one, but let's hear a few words from Cowboy Bill Watts about King Kong Bundy pile driving wrestling two on the floor. I think everybody realized he had awesome power, Boyd. I think what they underestimated was the meanness. And that proved the meanness when he pile drive the man on the concrete floor. Another man, Tito Santana, just last week. 
Let's join the final moments of that with that great athlete, Santana, met the concrete floor. And then we go to the recap of King Kong Bundy versus Tito Santana. Once again, King Kong Bundy showing the meanness, as Bill Watts calls it. Coming out of that, Mike, we go back to the desk to finish the recap, and then we get shot to the ring for the next match. So we're going to combine these two clips. The next match is Mr. Wrestling 2, the national champion against Arn Anderson, someone we haven't seen in a while, with Joel Armstrong as the referee. Let's go to this audio. We start at the desk with Cowboy Bill Watts, and then we go to the introduction and a little bit about Arn Anderson. Let's go to this. Santana found out also that Bundy can be an unscrupulous, vicious man. Mr. Wrestling 2, that living legend, just recently in the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia, won the national heavyweight title. This is his first appearance with that title here, let's go to Reeser Bowden in the announcement in the ring. This is a non-title event for one fall with a 10-minute time limit. In the red corner, at 250 pounds, from Minneapolis, Minnesota, Arn Anderson. And in the blue corner, at 236 pounds, from Atlanta, Georgia, the national heavyweight champion, Mr. Wrestling 2. And listen to the roar of the fans at the introduction of the new national champion, Mr. Wrestling 2. And across the ring in the black tights, his opponent from Minnesota, Arn Anderson, Joel Armstrong, calls for the bell and action underway. And of course, we knew Arn Anderson as Marty Lundy. Apparently, Ole Anderson, his uncle, had put him out to get experience before revealing the ties to the Anderson family. And we were impressed with the young man's strength and his, and his ability but he was taking his lumps just like any other youngster. But he's now been up in Atlanta under the guidance of Ole Anderson with Matt Bourne, and he's matured. And he'll be, oh, and wrestling too, but wrestling too hadn't stayed on top and in command in this toughest business, the king of sports all these years, without being quick like a cat and wary like a fox. And he was waiting just for that when Anderson tried to sucker punch him on the apron there, on the ring, on the break. Mr. Wrestling 2 won the national title from Larry Zabisco, a man who had won the title in the big tournament in the Omni in Atlanta and had pretty well cheated Wrestling 2 out of it. But like I say, this man's tenacious. And mark that down in your book, King Kong Bundy, because you dropped the man on his head. That doesn't mean you made him quit. He'll be back after you, and he'll be going for you full strength. Well, I can see Arn Anderson has learned a thing or two. That's to get out of the way when he cocks that knee, Boyd Pierce. Bill, he has to because, like you said earlier, Mr. Wrestling, too, always thinking, always thinking about what he's going to do next. That's right. As Mr. Olympia's found out, he's a devastating, deadly man to deal with. He asks no quarter, he gives none. Well, there we hear it. We go to the match. Arn Anderson, we know him as Marty Lundy. That was all a ruse. Ole Anderson sent him out with a fake name, his nephew. Of course, later on, there would be brothers in the, in the NWA and WCW. But he sent his nephew out with a fake name to get some seasoning before he came back to Atlanta and revealed he was, in fact, an Anderson. You know, once again, I think Bill Watts is trying to make or is making logical sense out of what we're seeing here because. You can't put on on TV now. Previously, he's been Marty Lundy all this time, and now all of a sudden he's Arn Anderson with a fedora. I want to point that out. He's got the fedora on uh, during the introduction. I love Arn in the fedora. But Watts is making a lot of sense here. You know, hey, we Arn wanted to, or Ole wanted Arn to get some seasoning, 
So before he revealed him to be a real Anderson to the wrestling world, he wanted to make sure he could earn his keep. And that's what you hear right here from Watts with Arn. And I, I, it makes logical sense. That's all I can say. It makes logical sense. So, uh, you know, credit Watts for not just throwing Arn out there and saying a new name and then not even addressing it like happens sometimes today in wrestling. This is also a good example of what's happening in the world of wrestling at this period of time, the summer of 1983. Ole Anderson, of course, bought Bill Watts' 10% of Georgia in 1982, and Christmas time pushed out Jim Barnett. He's now running the Georgia office and not making a lot of friends. The other investors, like the Briscoes, are not happy with Ole Anderson. Wrestlers are coming and going. He's at war, although it's not as publicized as it would become with Vince McMahon over certain towns in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan. One of the few friends Ole Anderson has here is Bill Watts. That's why for the rest of 1983, we'll see things like the Road Warriors, who are big stars in Georgia, show up in Mid-South Wrestling. That's why Mr. Wrestling 2 has just gone from Mid-South Wrestling to win the national title in Georgia. That's why Arn Anderson and Bob Roop are back here on the show. The relationship between the Georgia office and Bill Watts' independent Mid-South Wrestling is very strong here. And like I said, it's one of the few friends Ole Anderson has at this point in time. So I think that's important to note. Mr. Wrestling 2 wins with the million-dollar knee lift. From there, we get a big match. The North American champion, Junkyard Dog, versus Bob Roop, with Alfred Neely as the referee. Let's hear some audio from this match, including Bill Watts recapping things from the past with Bob Roop and how he originally got the North American title. We'll talk about this on the other side. You can tell the Junkyard Dog is really kicked in gear. He's had a lot of things happening. This Butch Reed thing has kicked his equilibrium upside down. He says he's 150% blood. He's in there with a man with a plan, Bob Roop, a tremendously intelligent wrestler. But sometimes when you get somebody as physical as the Junkyard Dog, you don't have a chance to put a lot of strategy to work. You'll remember Bob Roop's the man that taught Paul Orndorff how to reverse the figure four leg lock with Ted DiBiase. And then, I'll show you how devious he is, he stole the distributor cap out of Paul Orndorff's car keys, the dime that Orndorff was going to get the match with DiBiase for the title, and it enlisted the aid of Skandar Akmar and the one-man gang, and he became the champion. And, of course, Orndorff challenged Bob Roop, and Bob Roop ended up in a cage match against Orndorff, and Bob Roop beat Paul Orndorff and ran him out of Mid-South Wrestling. So the Junkyard Dogs against a tough man, like I say, a national AAU champion from Southern Illinois, and on the hammerlock on the dog. Roop's smart enough to know if you can hurt something on somebody as strong as the dog to keep attacking it. And he doesn't let the dog get set. He keeps taking it to him. He's going for, I don't know what the doc's move there. Trying, he's trying to break that arm. He's trying to break the dog's arm, it looks like. Crowd's chanting for JYD, and JYD has got to get it together. He's faced a tough, facing a tough challenge. The crowd is wondering if maybe some of the words that Butch Reed are saying, could they be true? Could the dog be have neglecting the gym? Has he gotten too complacent? Has the fire that makes a man a champion, has it gone out as he's built a higher standard of living? 
doesn't want to live that Spartan life, that training, and in that gymnasium. And as what Reed says, that the dog will run out of gas in the ring anything past the 15-minute mark because the dog puts tremendous energy into short, explosive spurts and takes him. And he's been against some super heavyweights, and they're not known for endurance. But if Butch Reed has got that marathon endurance, he could really test the dog. So these are all questions that are waiting to be answered at this inevitable showdown. However, the dog's got to go against Bob Roop. And Roop right now is using that skill. And Bill, as our fans have become accustomed to on Mid-South Wrestling, matchmaker Grizzly Smith signed this a sanctioned title match, and there's no time limit, so they have plenty of time. Well, they, they only got till the end of the television hour. Well, there you hear some audio from Cowboy Bill Watts. We now get a little bit of the history of Bob Roop in the past with him and Paul Orndorff, and now he got the North American title. But really some interesting stuff, because Bill Watts is saying how Butch Reed has talked about the junkyard dog neglecting the gym and not having the stamina, and maybe he's living too high on the horse, that he's not going to the gymnasium as much. And those words sound a lot more like Cowboy Bill Watts making maybe veiled shots at the junkyard dog because of his changing physique than something Butch Reed would just say without prior notification from Cowboy Bill Watts. But maybe that's just me guessing there. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I think it's easy for us, you know, all these years later to look at the comments that you heard right there from Bill Watts and think, oh, well, Watts was very observant and he was kind of taking some veiled shots at JYD because his physique has really changed and he doesn't look like the dog from a year and a half ago or, or even a year ago. So you know, I think it's easy for us to look at it through 2020 eyes and think maybe that's what Watts was doing. I don't know, though, like if he was doing that. I mean, because back when I heard these things back then in this angle, I just thought that that was Watts, you know, continuing with the story of what Reed was claiming and not so much what Bill Watts was thinking. But knowing what we know now and how Dog just, you know, ends up even getting more out of shape and then just leaves the promotion, you know, in a few years from now. Uh, and then what happens in the WWF when he blows up and then he ends up in WCW even bigger. It makes you wonder, well, was Watts kind of sending a message there that, you know, trying to motivate the dog or what? I don't know. I don't think we'll ever know that. All I can think in my mind is at the time when I watched this as a kid, I just thought that, you know, Watts was just, you know, speculating and sharing what Reed thought. And, hey, um, you know, has he come complacent? Was that Watts' way of trying to push dog along to, or, or push the fans to think, hey, you know, we got to get we got to get behind the dog. Reed's wrong. We got to get behind the dog. I mean, there's there's many ways you can take it. Does that make sense, Brian? I think so. And of course, that is what we do here on the show. We try to analyze things that we know and things that we're forming educated guesses on. But knowing what we know about Junkyard Dog, I, I happen to think that this may be Bill Watts' way of saying something that the dog may hear. Obviously, Bill Watts is disappointed that his top star is gaining weight. Now, Junkyard Dog doesn't look anywhere near as unwrestler-like as he would, let's say, in 1992. But he's almost, I, I gotta guess he's like 50 pounds bigger than he was the year before. I don't know. Maybe that's too much. What do you think? I think he's a good 30 pounds bigger than he was. If you think about how he looked at the end of 81, early 82, 
I think he's easily put on 30 pounds easily. Um, it's hard to tell. I mean, but he, I mean, he's definitely bigger. I mean, you could see the gut it's, you know, the love handles are coming in. He's it's he look, he's not in horrible shape yet. Like I just, look, I was doing a show where he's in, we're doing 1989 uh, Saturday night on TBS right now. And, you know, you see him there as compared to here. You're like, oh, he doesn't look that bad here. But, yeah, he does look that bad here when you compare him to a year earlier. So I'd say to answer your question, I, I got to say a good 30 pounds. I wouldn't go as high as 50, but 30 is certainly in the range for sure. Junkyard Dog wins with the thump. From there, we get our next match. The Super Destroyer versus Mil Moscaris with Joel Armstrong as the referee. Mil Moscaris wins with a flying cross body off the top rope. We'll have more about that during the next match. Any thoughts or notes about this match, Mike? Yeah, um, I'm not sure. And we're going to talk about it in the next match when, when you play the uh, audio. I'm not sure I'm buying Bill Watts' explanation for why Mil Moscaris is allowed to do the top rope dive on his opponent and why it's uh, quote-unquote legal. Uh, we're going to talk about it in a second, but let me mention it here. Watts says, he doesn't jump down. He dives on his opponent. I don't. I don't know what that means, but you know, hey, Watts can't always be right. There you go. Uh, but yeah, that's my thought, and I'm sure we'll talk more about it in a second. That is indeed what Bill Watts says here to justify the finish of the match when he reiterates it during the next match. Tim Horner versus Tony Zane. Alfred Neely is the referee. Tim Horner wins after a knee drop following a backdrop. Well, let's hear more from Cowboy Bill Watts about Mil Moscaris' flying crossbody, as well as a note from Grizzly Smith about next week's big match. Let's hear this. Well, it's been quite a day, and I just got an interesting note handed to me by Grizzly Smith that Ted DiBiase has proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that he has nothing wrong with that hand. And so Grizzly Smith has signed, or forced to be signed, right here on TV next week, the Junkyard Dog and Hacksaw Jim Dugan against DiBiase and Olympia for the Mid-South Tag what Team title. So hold on to your seats and be sure to be tuned to Mid-South Wrestling here next week. As we watch these two fine young athletes mix it up. Tremendous action day. Again, explaining that situation with Mill Moskras. Harley Race, as you recall, former NWA World's Champion, used a dive off the top rope, and they considered it a dive and not a jump onto his opponent. Therefore, it was sanctioned as legal. That's the same situation with Mil Moskras. He does not jump down on him with a knee or with his feet or something like that. He dives, and he actually launches himself upward off of that turnbuckle and dives on that opponent. So it's been sanctioned. And, of course, it's very confusing to a referee. It becomes a judgment call. But that had been certainly gone over in the officials' meeting. Because when Mil Moskras made his appearance, that's one of his patent moves, something he strives to get. And he makes the official aware of it, just as Wrestling 2 makes the official aware of the fact that if they grab his mask, it's the same as grabbing another person's hair, and it, they have to be warned and counted off, and if they persist, they should be disqualified. And this is something Wrestling 2 tries to make clear to officials, but they seemingly let get more lax on calling it, and that's why he gets into such a tremendous rage and just takes matters in his own hand when the people won't stop him from pulling his mask. Next week, then, 
that tremendous tag match in two weeks. The American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, will be back here on Mid-South Wrestling as we're bringing to a close a fantastic hour. Some questions unanswered. The Junkyard Dog was definitely in some trouble with Bob Root. Has the fact that he's been going with the super heavyweights as it slowed him down for the smaller guys. He better get his foot speed up. He better get his endurance training up because Butch Reed is hungry. Three count. Tim Horner. Tim Horner beat Tony Zane. One, two, three. Inside cradle. Tony Zane doesn't realize it, but let me tell you, if your shoulder blades are down, it's not the outer extremity of your shoulders. It's those inside blades that are down, and you've got to be conscious of it. I don't think Tony Zane realized his shoulders were pinned, but it was counted down. One, two, three, boy. And it was a victory for Tim Horner. And ladies and gentlemen, we got the message. I can't wait till next week. The Mid-South title on the line. Junkyard Dog and Hacksaw Jim Dugan versus Ted DiBiase and Mr. Olympia Tolin. Goodbye, everybody, from Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. And there it is, another episode of Mid-South Wrestling in the books. A couple notes here at the end of the show. Like you, I certainly can appreciate Cowboy Bill Watts trying to justify why Mil Moskris's flying body press is legal. Not sure it holds too much water, but it's as good an explanation as you can get. Of course, this big tag team match next week, and then another shot at the Junkyard Dog. Again, not a bad shot, not really hitting him too hard, but certainly make mention that he's now running with the super heavyweights. That a small guy like Bob Roop, I mean, who considers Bob Roop a small guy? That a small guy like Bob Roop gives him trouble because he's running with super heavyweights. Any closing thoughts, Mike? My closing thought is Bill Watts is full of it with his explanation for why Mil Mil Moskris is allowed to dive off the top rope. He said, it's a dive, not a jump. Get the hell out of here, Watts. (laughs) Look, I can defend things, but this is a perfect example of hypocrisy um when we talk about things in modern wrestling versus old school wrestling classic wrestling that we love well, wrong is wrong no matter what and right here watts is just i don't know what happened i don't know if if the condition was moscaris came into the territory and said i'm doing my finisher i don't give a damn what your rules are about jumping off the top rope i'm doing my finisher and this is bill watts's explanation for giving in to Moscaris and saying, okay, well, that's fine. And Watts in his mind goes, okay, well, how am I going to sp- explain this on TV when supposedly in my promotion a, a jump off top rope is illegal? This is, this is, Watts is full of it. It's, 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 it doesn't even make sense. He jumped. He didn't dive. He thrusted himself up. Are you kidding me? Just ignore it. Don't even address it, in my opinion, at that point. The only thing that made sense there, what he said about uh, Moscaris' move is, he said, you know, with referees, sometimes it's a judgment call. I can actually buy that because sometimes we've seen it in, uh, you know, I know you hate football because I heard you say it on the experience. Football is a great sport, Brian, last, by the way, but we won't get into that discussion right now. I don't hate it, but it's not baseball. (laughs) I'm messing with you. (laughs) I know you don't hate it. You're a baseball guy. I'm a football guy. No, I'm just messing with you. But the thing is, it's a judgment call, just like, um, you know, certain plays in baseball. I mean, pitches and uh, strikes and balls sometimes can be judgment calls, too. Now, I think you have good umps that can, that can call it really well, but at the end of the day, there, there's a human error involved in it. So I, I understand when Watts says it's a judgment call by the ref, but don't give me this, it's a jump, not a dive BS. That was just like, did you, dude, did you really just say that? Come on, man. I mean, keep, just, just ignore it. Just, just act like it didn't even happen, please, because your explanation made no sense. So Watts, you're wrong there. I'm sorry. I got to say it. It is what it is. Uh, but anyway, Tim Horner picks up another win, and I'm not going to let that one 
you know, crazy comment and explanation from Watch ruined what was otherwise a, a great show of Mid-South, especially, I got to repeat as we're closing out, Brian, the visual of DiBiase's cast exploding was a lot of fun to see. And it confirmed, <laughs> it thoroughly confirmed that this sleazy, slimy snake heel, Ted DiBiase is full of it when he talks about his injury. I mean, that cast exploded. I love the visual of it. Exploded. What was it made out of? Crackers? I don't know. <laughs> like, just yeah, so <laughs> did you see how it like just turned into crumbs? <laughs> so like, I mean, have you ever broken a bone before? I uh, no, I haven't. Okay, so I've I've broken I've broken a bone before, but but when I broke um I broke my arm many many years ago, I had like a a fiberglass cast, and there was no way you weren't gonna break that. But I know like um a buddy of mine, not that much before me, he broke his arm. And I remember we were in grade school at the time. He had uh, he had one of those like I don't know if it was like a plaster cast or pla- you know what I'm talking about. It was it was the old white cast. I I, I don't know. Yeah, what yeah. I actually had one of those once. I, I tore the ligaments in my ankle, and I had to get a cast like that. Yes. So it felt like that. It felt like it was like a material like that, but much softer, and maybe it was like pre-cracked or something. To where when Watts brought it over to the turnbuckle, it just would explode. Like I don't know, but that thing, like it, like you said, it looked like um, it looked like if you could make a mold of a cracker and just slam a cracker up against a, a you know a metal object, how it would crumble. That that's what it did. And you didn't, we didn't even talk about this when it happened at the end of the match. Duggan's picking up the crumbs off the freaking mat and he's throwing them out to the crowd like it's a Mardi Gras time <laughs> in New Orleans. He was like, "Yeah, there you go, throw me something, Mister." I thought that was phenomenal. I love that part of it. We didn't even mention it, but. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the hell it was made out of. Well, with that, we wrap up another memorable episode of Mid-South Wrestling. Another great episode next week, for sure. But as we wrap things up, I want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcast or on Facebook, facebook.com slash ArcadianVanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast. 605pod.com are available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and Booking the Territory? First, come check out Booking the Territory. Right now, as of this airing, as of us recording this, we're almost done with Smoky Mountain. I think I mistakenly said we were done. The last episodes haven't aired yet, but we are nearing the very end of our Smoky Mountain show. But you can come listen to us twice per week at tinyurl.com slash bttpod. As of now, the Smoky Mountain show drops on Sunday nights and our NWA Saturday night on TBS shows drop on Thursday nights. We are the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. The jokes are terrible. It's not politically correct, but we have fun nonetheless as we talk old school classic wrestling. And every now and then we'll delve into some current topics. It just depends on how absurd things are because we like the absurdity of uh, today's wrestling sometimes. Anyway, uh, we will we talk about that twice per week. Again, it's tinyurl.com slash bttpod. Myself, Hardbody Hopper, and Doc Turner. Or you can just search Book in the Territory wherever you get your podcast from and come enjoy what we do. Also, give me a follow on Twitter at Mike504Saints. I definitely would appreciate it. Every now and then when we have great clips of these shows, I'll post them on Twitter for our listeners out there to enjoy. But uh, Brian, uh, as you said, this was a very fun episode of Mid-South with the cast exploding. And I'm looking forward to next week as we uh, jump further into this angle with Reed and the dog and everything we got going on in Mid-South. The Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast 
is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Your producer is Jay Snockerato. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally ho!